Benefield. Chris, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I needed a minute before recording because I just went through the gauntlet of driving my son home in the rain and then feeding him and getting him down for a bath and bed. And my wife is busy with a board meeting right now. So it was like two hours of parenting. It was it was a lot. I don't know. Two hours of parenting. I know it sounds ridiculous, but uh, after like a day of talking to like six or seven patients, it was just a lot of it was a lot of being on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, things things are well, and you've had an exciting few weeks. Uh, I have, most notably, I bought a house. Congratulations! So. Thank you. And it has a just fantastic yard. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It can you describe the yard to the listeners? Because I've seen it, and it's it's hard for me to put it into words. Um, I, I think if you have a kind of an older neighborhood that has the trees lining the streets, there's always that one house that has decided that they're not doing grass at all and instead have just planted flowers and stuff everywhere. And that's this house. Now, as you were talking about, it's sort of like the Shire. <laughs> it is a little shy like and 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 I'm I'm cool with that. Yes. So we had circled this date to record because you're finally kind of set up in the new place. Mm-hmm. And I had some some travel out east to visit family and now I'm back from that and didn't exactly have a topic to talk about but at this point, it's just like we need to schedule a date and we'll figure it out. Right. And then both of us at different times started watching Stranger Things season three, which mm-hmm. is very excited that shows back back in our lives. I've only watched the first episode, so we're not really going to get into spoilers of any means. So if you haven't really caught up on the show, this will be more than fair game to listen to. But two things jumped out after watching the first episode. One is just the amazing amount of mall nostalgia that I have Mm -hmm. from some of the scenes where it shows the kids around the Starcourt Mall in the show. And the other somewhat related topic is the kids in the show wandering around without parental supervision. Mm -hmm. And that was... Like I was thinking of a title for this episode. I'm like the strangest of strangest stranger things. Uh, right. It's just the just these young kids having the freedom to go on adventures or do whatever it is that they're doing, which I think you and I grew up with. And as far as I can tell, seems to be completely absent from how people parent these days. And it's just got my brain working a lot, and I thought that would be a good topic to discuss here. Yeah. So you're a little bit further in the show than me. Um, Absolutely. But I think you've had some conversations with other folks maybe around these topics. Mm-hmm. 
just watching watching that episode and just kind of absorbing the mid eighties ness of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your initial reactions, either good, bad, or indifferent? Well, it's you know it's funny because my experiences in the mid eighties were very much like the experiences of the kids in Stranger Things. So it doesn't seem weird to me. Like I don't bat an eye at it, but, um, a couple of times with a couple of different people, um, in the last few days, I've had this conversation, um, you know, just kind of spontaneously because stranger things came up where, um, people think it's weird (laughs) and just talk about how, you know, that would, never happen with their kids any event if they're of the age where they can remember you know that being more normal to um you know go ride your bike around by yourself and parents don't know where you are until dinner time that you know they would never let their kids do that um and i feel like going with it and you know we don't have to necessarily get too far into this but part of the reason for it is the perception that things are more dangerous now. Yeah. So that is kind of similar to my thought process. And, and I, there's a bit of irony in me talking about this as I grew up in incredibly sheltered. Right. <laughs> I, which I've written about before I was born with a significant heart condition. I was the youngest in my family mm-hmm. and I had a, incredibly protective mother who I mean literally thought I was just going to die at some point if I overexerted myself or if I got too exuberant Uh, right so I wasn't allowed to play organized sports I Mm -hmm. had to kind of convince my mom that I could play pickup games with kids in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and even then it was you know I'd play steady quarterback so I didn't have to run too much. And, you know, as a teenager, I convinced my mom, I was like, well, I can play street hockey. You know, being from Jersey, street hockey was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, I can play goalie because I don't have to run around. I'm just standing there, which was ridiculous because <laughs> I was always out of breath and not a good goalie <laughs> and whatever. Um, and even with a very protective mother with, you know, some pretty significant heart issues, I had very similar experiences that you mentioned where certainly as an early teenager, I was riding my bike all over the place, Um, not only within the neighborhood, but I had a friend who lived, I mean, I'm not good with distances, but probably a mile away. Mm -hmm. And the way to get there was riding my bike on this road that the speed limit was, I think, 50 miles, 45, 50 miles an hour. So I just ride down that road. There was an intersection cross there. Um, I had another friend who lived probably another two to three miles away from him that we would ride to. And I would be, I would be gone. I would just be riding my bike and my, it was before cell phones. My mom didn't know where I was. There was kind of this assumption of like, Hey, I'm going to Mark's or I'm going Eric's or whoever John's or, you know, my different friends. And she'd be like, all right, just, you know, be back or call when you're there. And that was normal. That's how all my other friends behaved as well. Yep. And I think that I take that for for granted as, well, that's how everyone grew up. And maybe it wasn't, but you're saying you did as well. Yeah, and I definitely think, you know, within a range that what you're describing was the norm when I was a kid. 
I mean, at least among, you know, my friends and, you know, the neighborhoods that I lived in in Charlotte suburbs, Atlanta suburbs, that was how we rolled. I mean, from a pretty early age, like, you know, as soon as I hit elementary school, I was off on my bike, at least around in the neighborhood. And like, I would tell my parents where I was going and they might call over there to say like, um, hey, you know, dinners can be early. Can you come home? But like, by and large, like it was just I'm going to be at so and so's house. And that was trusted. Yeah. And even before riding bikes, I, we had a family move into the, our, our street and they were, I think, literally two houses down. Mm-hmm. And I would walk over there. They had a pool. Um, so I, I would go there. Then there was another kid who lived maybe another house or two down. And it was not a, it was not that big of a deal to just walk down the street unattended and go to right. your friend's house. And then as got a little bit older and had, had bikes, it was just, you know, I would drive out of the neighborhood and end up wherever. <laughs> sometimes just because I had nothing else to do. It was like, well, I'm going to jump on my bike and sometimes I didn't even know where I was going. Yeah. And so I, I always assume that other kids had a similar spot, but I think we called it the pit. So being Jersey, there was this landfill <laughs> that uh-huh. existed fairly close by to our, our house. Yep. And it was big dirt piles and you would just go there. My friend had this ATV that he would ride at times. He actually flipped it once and cracked the shell. Thankfully he was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were spots like that where you were just in the woods or in some location doing who knows what just passing the time there's no internet there was yep. video games but they weren't nearly as intense as they are are now you just you just kind of made up things you made made up your own fun mm-hmm. and i just kind of wonder what kids do now i know i sound very old <laughs> right. but i put that out on twitter and i was like what what do kids do and you have a you have a son who's older mm-hmm. um you know, how and how comfortable do you feel with him venturing out or doing his own thing? Well, you know, so again, I think, you know, there's this uh, terminology they use now, free range parents. Yes. <laughs> and I definitely think that my parents tended in that direction. And they've told me, like, as an adult that, you know, some of that was that I was the first kid kind of in – like among their peers and whatnot. Um, and their only child. So basically they didn't really know what they were doing. <laughs> so they just, you know, did what felt right to them. And that's kind of what felt right for them. Um, and so I think my own parenting philosophy tends somewhat in that direction, but in my case, it's complicated a little bit because I, I think we've talked about that um, Will's on the autism spectrum. He's an Asperger's kid. So um, just kind of the way he experiences the world is slightly different because of that. Um, but he's also very trustworthy in most ways. So to give an example right now, um, we we live in St. Paul and uh, he has a weekly um, counseling appointment and he walks through downtown St. Paul by himself, you know, a couple of blocks to that appointment. And then depending on what my schedule is, um, I come and pick him up from that. Or sometimes he walks back and then, you know, I come and pick him up later on in the day. Um, 
which I think at age 12, a lot of parents these days would not do. But, um, you know, it feels relatively safe, relatively, you know, we have trust in him doing that. And so that's what happens. But I don't think my impression is a lot of parents would not do that among um, parents that I know. For instance, um, when we were still living in our old house, he had a friend that literally lived two, not even, it wasn't even really two blocks. It was just like two streets over, um, same neighborhood, no busy streets to cross, like literally a three minute bike ride. And his parents would drive him over and pick him up every time he came to our house. (laughs) Yeah. And I see it a little bit with my, um, my brother's kids when we're out there, cause they have a lot of games and they're into football and basketball and baseball. And I remember, because my brother was four or five years older than me, so when he was like in seventh and eighth grade, I remember my folks dropping him off for practice. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's he's got baseball practice, so we got to take him there. And we would take him to practice and leave mm-hmm. and, you know, run errands or go back to the house or whatever. It's not like we had folding chairs and it's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to stay at his practice because he's got practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and now my sense is from kind of living through their, uh, my nephew's kind of experience, it seems like the vast majority, if not all the parents, just the expectation is you stay, you're there during the practice, which seems bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree, especially, I mean, we're talking about practice. <laughs> practice. I'm a practice. <laughs> Shout out to Alan Iverson. Good work. And... I I guess I kind of get it like I mean we'll get it cuz I started much like you I mean data from various like the Pew Institute and the FBI like I was on the FBI database like you can go <laughs> on the FBI and hopefully I'm not on some list now but I was You are totally on some list now. Yeah. Uh, there's they're not going to find anything that interesting. Um <laughs> But you can go on the FBI database and look at crime statistics. Um, And I think certainly over the last decade, I imagine there's other pages or ways you can filter even back to the 80s. Mm -hmm. Um, But just in general, from from reading, trying to research this topic after getting interested in it, it does seem like overall crime is down. Mm -hmm. Um, Violent crime, nonviolent crime in general it seems like crime is down. Another thing that seems to be like maybe crime is less reported, which, you know, that's probably a confounding variable in some right. ways. Um, and it seems like the world in many ways, at least according to statistics, is a safer place. Mm-hmm. And this topic came up in two different states recently with completely separate people who do have not have any interaction with each other. Mm-hmm. And they sort of responded with the same stories. Like kids are getting stolen at Walmart. There's a woman had to fight off someone from target to, cause they were trying to steal her kids. And which one I, I, I assuming it's a true story, mm-hmm. but it seems like there's these high profile stories that just resonate with everyone where people think it's not safe to, leave your kid. You got to be watchful all the time and paranoid. Right. Um, and I want to be very mindful that, yeah, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. I don't want to dismiss that. At the same time, it just, 
I don't know. Like my the thing I worry about is dropping my son off at school and someone shooting up the school. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my concern. I want to do something to prevent that. I'm not as worried about him riding a bike and someone abducting him, even though I realize that's that's certainly a reality. Um, it's interesting. It seems like there's this collective response to the world's a dangerous place. We need to protect our kids. We can't let them out of our sight. Combined with this collective inaction of, oh, there's just too many guns. We can't do anything about it. Um, I find that frustrating. Maybe that's a bit off topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stay on topic. I know. You told me stay to stay on, on topic. topic. <laughs> uh, but I just find that I just find the response interesting. And I, I'm a young parent. Uh, uh, I should say a parent of a younger child, not necessarily a young parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what it's going to be like when he's like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so on when, you know, I'll be like, okay, take care. I'll see you in three hours. Like, maybe I won't make that decision. Maybe I'll, I'll have a different mindset then. Well, I think part of the problem, I mean, you talk about one issue, which is there's a perception that I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the same types of things that you are. I was just, I was using my phone to quick look at stuff just before we started talking. And then even just now, as you were talking, seeing what else I could find. And, you know, pretty much across the board, violent crime is down. It, most crimes are back to their pre 1960s level, which is when crime started to rise with the baby boom generation. And it seems like most crime, including crimes against children peaked in the 19 early nineties and then have been on the decline since then. And then, like I said, are back to that level, but because there is this connectedness that we have now that we did not have, then the people's perception is not matching that reality. And I, I know I'm not, this isn't really a hot take. This is something that gets discussed a lot, but right. you know, just in my talking about it with a friend just today, I mean, that was her immediate reaction was like, well, yeah, we did that, but I wouldn't do that just because I don't remember what the exact words were, but the idea was like, it's more dangerous now. Um, And again, the the statistics don't bear that out. Now you bring up a valid point that if there's a reason that things get reported less, then that is a confounding variable now. And maybe it's not quite as rosy as people think, but all pointers are, or everything points to that, you know, when we were in 1985, when Stranger Things is said, and when I was roaming around neighborhoods, it was much more dangerous to be doing that than it is right now. Um, and why do you think that is? Why do you think it was more dangerous then? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. I just looked at the crime statistics um, <laughs> I'm asking the hard hitting question. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know why per capita it was a bigger deal then than it was. I, I have no idea. But the the second before, before we try to delve into that at all, the second thing I was going to say is the other huge thing at work here when it comes to how people choose to do this as parents is that you parenting is maybe the biggest thing. Um, especially as like pregnant moms will tell you one of the biggest things in the world that you are not allowed to just do on your own and make your own decision. Like the second somebody sees that you are pregnant, they all have opinions. 
Um, a lot of people are really dead set in their opinions as in I'm right and everybody else is very wrong. And you're constantly as a parent dealing with that sort of, um, it's not really group think, but just these, you know, how everybody else does it. So like, even though maybe you want to be a free range parent, like nobody else is doing it that way. And it really bothers people, <laughs> you know, if you make decisions to do something radically different than how they are raising their kids. And, you know, we've had these incidents um, where even like the police will take action against parents because, you know, they dare to let their kids play at the park by themselves in a certain community. And I mean, I think there's a lot of things like race and whatnot that can also play into that. But still, you know, people just view this very differently now than they did when we were kids. And as a result, it's it's very difficult to do something different, even if you wanted to. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's going to be a challenge as my son gets older, not only dealing with his, you know, developmental growth or some days it feels like lack thereof, um, is interacting with other parents. Mm -hmm. And if if everyone else is doing things a certain way and I'm trying to do something <laughs> completely different there's going to be a lot of pressure there to just conform. Absolutely. To just, to just do it. So if let's say he's, I don't know, gets into swimming or band or soccer or whatever the case may be. And it's like, yeah, he's got practice, uh, five on Tuesdays. Okay. Um, well, here he is. Uh, I'll pick him back up in two hours. And every, every other parent is like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? Like you have to stay here. We're not watching your kid. Mm -hmm. The coach isn't, it's not their coach's responsibility to watch your kid. Like if that's, if that's the norm, it's like, well, does he, do I just not have him play soccer or do I suck it up and say, okay, I guess I got to be here. Or do you challenge that whole paradigm and say, Hey, we got to sit down and talk about this. This doesn't make sense and probably not get anywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, these are things I'm sure, any parent listening is, has wrestled with these to some degree. Now I have missed out on the whole organized sports thing uh, because neither of my kids um, were interested or if they were interested, it was just not something that they stuck with uh, or whatever the case may be. So there's been very little of that for me, um, which means I haven't had to deal with that whole mentality, but I have observed it from afar, what you're talking about that everybody sticks around. Um, and I do think, within that is part of the answer to like your question about what do kids do now if they don't go hang out in the mall and go play in the woods and do all these things. And that it, it, one of them is that they are signed up for way, way more activities than most kids were when we were kids, just a lot more organized stuff. And, you know, they're not that much free time. Yeah. It seemed like, I don't remember that many camps growing up and again partially might have been because it just it wasn't on my family's radar mm -hmm. for me i remember i took a ceramics class one summer <laughs> which was i think before fifth grade yeah at my fifth grade teacher's house it was mm -hmm. me and some other kids and i'd be dropped off there and the class i think was two hours and my mom would come pick me up um 
But that's like the only camp I did. I wasn't in Boy Scouts or any of that type of stuff. Um, yeah, I just remember a lot of free time. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing that people did when we were kids, like camp-wise, is like you went off to camp. Like I didn't really ever do overnight camps by and large, but I did day camps where – because my parents worked. So during the summer, I like kind of during business hours, I was at camp, usually YMCA camps. Mm -hmm. But other kids like went off for weeks or months of the summer to a camp where other people just – (laughs) you know they had a counselor that was some teenager and they were at a camp doing canoeing and archery and beauty guns and all kinds of that stuff and which i did all that at the you know the day camp that i went to too which is i feel like another thing that like those things are still out there and some kids still do it but it's just to me it seems like nowhere near as much of a thing as it was when i was a kid and i wonder if part of this is me confabulating like being around 10 or 11 and what my actual freedoms were then mm-hmm. with like several years later before I had a car, but I was more like in my mid teens and like what my freedoms were at that point in time. Cause it's definitely, it was definitely different. And I think in my head now looking back, it's, I'm just combining all of it where it's like, Oh, I was going everywhere, but I, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to, Think about when I could do X, Y, and Z right. based on age. Yeah, I mean, I would say, um, I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good memory of when I was allowed to do what and kind of what the, the rules were. And I would say through middle school-ish age, the expectation was that if I was off on my bike, that I was basically staying within the confines of our sort of our neighborhood like and i'm not crossing the really big busy streets to sort of encircled that by maybe like a two to three mile radius and i'm not like going to the mall without asking um although we would totally go to the mall without asking <laughs> well and the other thing that I, I was thinking about this earlier and i forgot to, to mention it but now that you brought that up mm-hmm. it, it seems like now with the technology that is readily available, it would be safer and easier to let your kids wander around a bit. Well, yeah, because you can instantly talk to them and you can, um, you can even have it where their phone constantly lets you know where their location is. And, you know, there are, yeah, there's all kinds of tools that you can use as a parent, but it seems like that would, I don't know, for me that, that would give me, quite a peace of mind like obviously you have to have the talk and, and educate your child okay you need to keep this on you and if i call you have to answer and all that stuff and of course they're not going to listen all the time and yeah. whatever but it, it like that technology didn't exist 30 years ago no absolutely Once you not. left the house you were just who knows where you were <laughs> yeah um and I do sometimes worry about what that means for a lot of kids because it seems like a lot of kids are – and this is probably the old man and me speaking, but I feel like a lot of kids are not really given a lot of freedom to fail right now. Um, like they're not given the opportunity to say like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be at Susie's house and then they go to the mall and they get caught. <laughs> um 
which is a relatively minor thing, and, but it's it teaches lessons. Um, and I know there this is you know something that people that actually care about a research parenting talk about too is mm-hmm. you know giving kids those opportunities to make those mistakes while they're still relatively small mistakes and learn from them before those mistakes have you know literal you know your life could be on the line or pregnancy could be on the you know things like that where like the the <clears throat> the downside is a lot higher than you know uh, I snuck to the mall and went to the candy store and got something I wasn't supposed to. Yeah, and I guess for me, I, I never, and I think I was a relatively good kid. Um, I never felt that compelled to to sneak around all that much because I felt like I could do what I wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if I wanted to go to a friend's house, I'd tell my mom, go do that. Like I didn't get into too much trouble. Um, there was a water balloon launcher incident that it wasn't me holding the device, but there might have been a broken window in someone's neighborhood that will not be mentioned. And uh-huh. uh, I had to run, which is never a strong suit for me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, things, you, you know, you get into some some hijinks. Um, but I don't know that just over controlled. We always have to be here and have eyes on you because the world isn't a safe place and we don't know if we can trust you. I, it seems like that sets up some troubling dynamics, which you were talking about. Yeah, I agree. I, I worry about, you know, for as long as kids are still going off to college, and frankly, I don't know how much longer that will be, but that's a different conversation. Yes. Um, Stay on topic. Stay on topic. But as long as that is the case, I feel like you are setting up a lot of 18-year-old freshmen to just go buck wild the, the second they hit college with a lot of really, you know, negative consequences of that. I mean, maybe not, but I, I, that's how it feels to me. It's like when suddenly when there's that rush of freedom and like you haven't really been given that sort of incremental steps. And, and again, we're throwing all parents into one big, you know, there's a range of how people are doing it, even sure. within kind of the way they expect Expectations are now as their kids, you know, get to be driving age and stuff like they, you know, so a lot of parents do choose to give them a lot more freedom at that point. And we're kind of focused more on kids that are like that Stranger Things age, you know, right. Um, kind of middle schoolish. Um, I guess it's now kind of late middle school, junior high age. The kids are supposed to be on that show. Um, but still, you know, By season eight, they're going to be like in their 40s. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Here it is. They're entering. They're entering their freshman year, and meanwhile, they have kids, and they've been through rehab once or twice. <laughs> we could talk about that too. I kind of, I kind of hope that they're not going to keep going back to this well too many more times because I'm enjoying this third season, but I, I definitely feel like I'm not sure that I want to see season four, five, six, seven, eight. But um, anyway, um, you know, I, I do worry about parents that really structure their kids' time and really don't give them much freedom, don't give them any opportunities to fail in small ways, kind of, you know, what that does set up when those kids kind of get those tastes of freedom and what they're going to choose to do with them. Yeah, I I definitely do not want to come across as, as patronizing or judgmental. I just... 
I honestly find it interesting. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, given that, you know, we have a few years before our son gets to be that, that age. Um, but even while we were visiting family, we were all in front of my, my mom's house and our son was, you know, toddling around as he does. Mm-hmm. And there's a sidewalk. It's a neighborhood. It's, it's not a busy street at all. Um, and he was just, he was walking around and babbling and, you know, having a good time. And he was probably a, a house and a half, two houses away mm-hmm. from any of us. And it's not like we were panicking or running towards him. And, and my mom was sort of concerned. Mm-hmm. She's like, what are you doing? You got to get him back here. Um, so there's even that pressure from other generations. It's, you know what I mean? It seems like there's just this global mentality of it's not safe. Right. Well, so when Will was probably, I don't know, maybe like third grade ish, he did, um, he did 4-H for a little while. Yeah. Just, just to see if it was something that was interesting to him. And there was another kid in the class that he kind of liked. And so we invited that kid to come over. Um, and it was just like, I don't know, during the summer, I think. So it's like a Wednesday during the summer. And, you know, as you know, I was self-employed at the time. So totally fine with this kid coming over. I'm going to be here. I work from home. That's fine. So kid's dad brings him over and then just proceeds to like sit there the whole time that they play. (laughs) And, and this this other uh, child was also on the autism spectrum and, but you know, fine. Like he and Will are are fine. They're having fun and whatever. And this dad just sits there and I'm like mostly ignoring him because I've got work I have to do and I didn't plan on you sitting here the whole time. And so then this, um, Dad proceeded to tell my uh, wife at the time, like, you know, oh, I think your your husband is also on the spectrum. <laughs> it's like, no, I just had work to do. Like, nobody invited you to sit here for three hours. <laughs> Chris, we need um, to have a talk. <laughs> There's some things that you might not be aware of. Uh, no, I yeah well i I just think what those like kind of what the practice I think if that's the norm, like well, um with my kid, that's what's gonna happen if that's not communicated it's almost like it's not communicated about it's just everyone assumes the same thing mm-hmm. it's this inertia that seems to have formed in the past i don't know is it ten twenty years? I don't really know how long it's been going on, yeah, it's hard to say i mean i I guess I've seen a gradual progression over, um, you know, when my, like when I first started to be a parent because of my stepdaughter was 2000 and what five ish or five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I feel like even over that time, um, you know, there's, there's been pretty distinct changes from, from then until now. Well, and there, I think I've even mentioned this because I think we've hit on this topic in previous episodes, not not to this extent. I think it was in the Washington Post where they interviewed three, three or four generations of the same family and drew a map of how their play area shrank mm-hmm. over time mm-hmm. since like World War II or something. Mm-hmm. And 
Whereas like the great grandfather had just miles and miles of place to roam, almost like Stand by Me. Like those mm-hmm. kids go out yeah. on this overnight adventure. They kind of you know tell the parents. I don't even remember if they say they're going to be over each other's house. They just go, um, and it was okay. And that was back what in the fifties. So that it continues to shrink down, shrink down, shrink down. Now to the point where, again, I'm making assumptions. It seems like kids of that age, like, you know, 10 to 15 are, are not really too far away from supervision. Um, so that map has just really shrunk down, not, I think just over generations, which while at the same time, our technology is improving at such an exponential rate that you could literally have a drone track your kid right now for, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to, right. Um, at the very least, they can have a cell phone that, that you can reach them pretty much at any time and have it tagged on a map of like, okay, that's where he is or that's where she is. They could live stream their play date. Yes. <laughs> Where's your kid? Oh, he's he's on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever, <laughs> Instagram. Right. And, uh, you know, one thing that you bring up or that I thought of as you talked about it is I do think that there are also sort of cultural differences here between – where you are located. Um, Sure. Because I do think my experiences in kind of an outer suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul, like a lot of what was going on there with parents and kids felt years behind where it is if you're, you know, right in the city like I am now. So, like, to give a small example, like, the schools would still celebrate, would still, like, call it Christmas and kids would still wear costumes on Halloween and things like that, that a lot of sort of more, I don't know, whatever word you want to use schools being more progressive, don't do that anymore. Um, and so it, it is like you step back in time a little bit being in that burb. And I think it's similar if you go to a rural area, like kids experiences may look a little bit closer to what we remember. Um, and some of that is just, because if you're going to play with your friend, you do have to be able to get on your bike and ride two miles away because that's the nearest kid <laughs> to you when you live on a farm. Well, uh, and at the moment in our neighborhood, there's not a lot of kids that are Hugo's age. Yep. There's kids who are maybe a few years older or, or quite a bit older. And who knows, the demographics of the neighborhood could change. Um, but I'm going to assume that as he gets older – He's going to have to walk or bike or we're going to have to drive him somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to drive him somewhere all the time. Right. <laughs> Not even from an inconvenience, but it's like, hey, your friend lives, you know, four streets over that way. Yep. Uh, look both ways before you cross the street mm-hmm. and let me know when you get there or something like that. Like yeah. I want to be able I, – I want my future self to have that confidence in him and then just in the system in society. And maybe that's ill founded. Um, but I, I don't want to hover all the time. Yeah. And I, and I think there are tons and tons of parents that feel like we do. I just think that, uh, your ability to practice that kind of parenting is uh, sometimes hampered by the other parents around you. So like, you know, we just bought a house and I know that Will has a buddy that uh, it's hard to say because I don't remember. I've only been to his house once, but I feel like he's a mile or so away. And so I was telling Will, like, 
hey, tell him what our address is. Like, you know, depending on kind of how his parents feel about it, like he may be able to just bike over here um, and you guys can hang out. But like also knowing <laughs> sort of internally processing, like there's a good chance his parents would be like to do what now? Like <laughs> some new stranger moved into the neighborhood what? and you're going to go over there. Who is this guy? <laughs> exactly. What? So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, like, are they ever able to just, hang out when I, you know, if this kid can just come over or, you know, do we always, do his parents have to be able to bring him over? Do I have to be able to bring Will there? Or are we close enough to each other that, you know, two 12 to 13 year olds can be trusted to like get themselves back and forth? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. So maybe final thing we'll talk about because um, we started off with this, but then got right into the parenting thing, and it mm-hmm. definitely relates, is the Starcourt Mall nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> that I had from just seeing a scene with a mall that was crowded, unironically. <laughs> right. That that was such a, I don't want to say key element to my childhood, but in a lot of ways, like that's where from a very young age, my mom would just leave me at the arcade with a bunch of quarters. And she's like, I'm going shopping. I'll come back and get you. I was like, okay. And so I was in the arcade, either watching people play games like dragon's lair, which I just remember blowing my mind back in the day, or I'd play whatever, you know, game that I could get reasonably good at. So I didn't have to waste all my quarters too quick. Um, And that would be it. And as I got older, you know, my mom would drop me off at the mall or I'd go with a friend and their parents to the mall and they would drop us off and we would just walk around, Mm -hmm. get food at the food court. We'd always joke about it like, oh, we're going to we're going to take a lap around the mall. Mm -hmm. And that's why the movie Mallrats was so I, I love that movie so much because it just resonated like that was the culture. Mm-hmm. It just, it made total sense to me. Um, and now I live very close to the mall of America and continue to walk in malls, which is just convenient, especially in the winter. I've mentioned that on the show before. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm trying to keep that in spirit alive. Uh-huh. Um, and the other thing I, we had was the boardwalk in New Jersey. Right. So like, we would get driven to the boardwalk and dropped off and we'd play mini golf or go on rides or, you know, go to the arcades up there, walk around, talk to people, whatever, waste time. And then our, our you know, somebody's parents would pick it. Usually my mom would pick us up. Um, so if that experience isn't there now for kids, it kind of returns back to like, well, what do people do? Because not only Amazon, but just, Commerce has changed. Malls do not seem as big of a deal, have, haven't been for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of sad that that experience is gone for people, for kids especially. Well, I mean, I guess my relationship with the mall is a little bit different from yours in that, you know, I definitely was there. I definitely had times that I really wanted to go like to the arcade at the mall and whatnot, but it wasn't like that big of a deal in my 
childhood or adolescence. Um, in fact, boardwalks are more of a thing for me <clears throat> just because I spent a lot of quality time at the Myrtle Beach version of the boardwalk with uh, my nice. friend Brian over the years. And that was a big deal with, you know, um, especially the giant arcades that were there. Um, so, you know, I'm not as nostalgic about it as other people are. Like, I probably enjoy shopping now a lot more than I did when I was you know, 13. <laughs> like I like to go to a music store and I like to go to, you know, a, a uh, what was it? Electronics boutique, but yes. That, EB games or EB games. Sometimes KB toy store. Yeah. When I was younger, definitely KB toy store. Although pretty quickly, I just wanted to be taken to Toys R Us, which we covered on another, uh, podcast shout yes. out to the toys r us podcast which by the toys way r toys r us coming back at least in limited fashion um but anyway uh I, you know I, i'm not that nostalgic about it i'm not sure that it's a huge loss for kids to not go to the mall um but that being said like these opportunities for kids to come together someplace and like learn those unsupervised social skills is something and kind of, you know, where are they able to get that these days between the ages of say seven and like 16 or 17 when maybe they get cars and they start to go hang out at each other's houses and, and whatnot. Like how, how much of that do they get? Where do they get it? I do think that that's a interesting question and kind of what the um, outcomes are from that or the lack of those opportunities will be. Yeah. And I, I think for me, and this, this is venturing on a completely different topic, but I think I'd be more concerned instead of saying to my son, like, okay, I'm going to drop you off at the mall here for two hours mm -hmm. and I'll be back at this time, be right here, uh, do whatever you got to do. Here's a little bit of money, get some food, whatever. Um, then him just holding up in his room and being on the internet for two hours. I think that would worry me a hell of a lot more just because of all the things that you can get into online that for, for whatever reason, I find that to be more intimidating. Like that needs to be more of a conversation. Than just well, being out being out in the public space for I, a little while. I think the good news for you as a parent is that, you know, we're sort of at the tail end of this the sort of wild, wild west era of the internet. And that by the time you have to worry about Hugo on the internet, it will be a little bit more of a known and tamed and <laughs> regulated environment. Um, you know, probably the entire time we've been doing this podcast, Will is in another room hanging out on YouTube, <laughs> finding whatever what could go wrong gaming videos he can he can find. Um, which some parents would not do. Some parents will not let their kids uh, be on YouTube if they're not kind of sitting right there with them and be able to kind of hear what they're listening to. Um, We've done nothing else. We've educated people that we have totally lax parenting styles. <laughs> <laughs> well, but some of it is like you have to adapt your parenting style for your child. So, you know, I've, I've mentioned my stepdaughter who 
uh, you know, for a lack of a, you know, without having to go on and on about it, was not always the most trustworthy kid. And so she was on a lot tighter leash um, than Will has been because Will has been generally you know, trustworthy and pretty mature about dealing with these kinds of things. And even like letting you know if he makes a bad decision, like he feels bad about it and comes to you and says, uh, I did this. <laughs> it's he bothering very, me. Very adult conversation. <laughs> and, and also has really biting adult sarcasm. <laughs> Both are true. He has, uh, he has knocked me down, blindsided me <laughs> just viciously several times. Yeah. Which has been entertaining and hurtful <laughs> <laughs> right so i mean to some degree you as a parent have to know your child and kind of where those boundaries need to be and that's not the same for any child at you know any particular age and i mean you can sort of universally apply the same thing to all kids but if you do that you know you're really holding some kids back and or exposing some kids to, to things that they're not ready for so you know, I've seen you parent enough to have a pretty good feeling for the fact that if Hugo needs some little tighter reins, that that's what you guys are going to do. And if he doesn't, that's also what you guys will do. And and that's OK. And you're already telling me that I'm having too many adult conversations with him because he's only two. <laughs> yes. The, the, the psychologist in you is <laughs> really trying to do too much reasoning with, you know, what at the time was like a one and a half year old. It's like, dude, that's Yeah. <laughs> I might be ambitious. <laughs> For being named the id DM, you were definitely not uh, respecting the you know walking id that he was at that time. So. Oh, he was today, <laughs> man. I picked him up from daycare. I opened the door, and red face screaming came at me with both hands pushing me away, saying no, <laughs> yelling no over and over again because they were getting ready to start story time. Yep. He wanted to read the book, and he just was <laughs> not having leaving. <laughs> Yeah. Teacher comes over and is like, he's had a really hard day. He's He's been using his hands a lot. And it might have been because he had a shot yesterday. So he just might be a little off. Who knows? Um, but I had to, it was one of those things where he was not being compliant. Mm -hmm. And after trying to reason with him, I was like, all right, well, you have three seconds to decide. You can either hold my hand and walk out with me or I can pick you up. And he sat down like in a huff right in the middle of story time. And I just picked him up and he's like screaming as we're walking out of daycare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so, the, that's the part that I love is you being like, you can leave here with dignity or not. <laughs> like a two year old is like, Oh yeah. Good point. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to leave with dignity. That works sometimes. Just start the countdown. And at like three, he's like, all right, fine. <laughs> um, but he's, he's definitely pushing that boundary. Cause like he knows like, if he pushes it to like three and a half and then I start going towards him, he's like, okay, now I'll do it. Yeah. So he's, maybe I give him too much credit. Um, no, I he's, mean, it's, he's it, testing, he's testing the fences. It's good to set those expectations high and you know, <laughs> he'll, he'll start rising to those expectations. Just don't get too frustrated when, you know, you're dealing with a two year old. So I'm amazed that we, we've gone over 45 minutes talking about Stranger Things. And I, I didn't even mention Billy and my enjoyment of Billy. So I mean, we really haven't talked about Stranger Things at all. It was just kind of a springboard to talking yeah. about, you know, parenting. But so I'm sure we'll circle back and talk about season three when you're a little bit further ahead. When we yep. when we finish that, that that should be a discussion because 
I'm sure there's going to be other nostalgic things, but I'm just I'm curious to see what the stakes of this season are and and how it plays out. So, mm-hmm. Because uh, I really enjoyed the first two seasons and just excited to have more of it. Yeah, I am too. I, and I hope that uh, they do the series justice. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I think I've finished episode three and and I'm enjoying it. But I, there's also just a maybe it's just the bad taste in my mouth from the last season of Game of Thrones, but I'm kind of like, you know, let's not mess this up. Let's not drag this out forever. I'm so, writing an article about that, but I I haven't had time to return to it. So that when I write that and post it, maybe that'll be a discussion too. Yeah, I, I posted the Honest trailer about seasons six through eight today, and I'm, I haven't looked at Facebook since to see if, you know, the people that cannot take a joke about Game of Thrones have uh, have chimed in because I it was so good. What do you mean? <laughs> I've <laughs> certainly run into that uh, in the immediate aftermath of the conclusion of of the final season. That makes people. Now, bit... I'll just leave it as there were there were things I liked yeah. and some things I really didn't like. Yeah, not only overall, were those... overall, I like the show. <laughs> not only were those people not able to take a joke, but they're even pulling out like, "What do you mean the Star Wars prequels were bad? Like, what are you even talking about?" And like, <laughs> dude, even if you like the Star Wars prequels, I'm pretty sure you know what I'm alluding to. Like, what you know, a lot of people like it's just, it's crazy how that 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 goes and on the internet. Well, and the other thing. Uh... Music podcast, long-time listeners. Uh, it has not happened yet. It has not been recorded. You wanted me to mention it because it's just something we have to do. <laughs> yep. You know, it's just uh, Matt Damon is a busy guy. You know, getting our schedules to all align is, is difficult. So, you know, yes. one day, one day. One, one day. Stay tuned. Uh, but now that you're settled and uh, – my summer is, is, in theory, slowing down. <laughs> I, I thought we weren't going to say this exact. Somebody posted this, I think, on Twitter tonight that said something along the lines of, I love that the adulthood is a never-ending cycle of people saying, like, well, I think my life is finally now settling down. Right. <laughs> so uh, find me on Twitter at the IDM. I'd be curious after folks listen, uh, just to continue this conversation, I had started a conversation on, on Twitter here this evening, uh, back on July 9th. So go back in time and look for that because I've gotten some really interesting uh, comments from people. Uh, but after they listen, I, I just want to hear what people think, just really with an open mind of these topics that we've been talking about and uh, just to see what how people are making these decisions. How can folks find you? Yeah, at Geekzinga on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear, like, are there free-range parents out there? How's that going for you? You know, did your experiences in 1985 look like the kids from Stranger Things or, you know, like what you and I are talking about? I'd, I'd love to hear people talking about how that looked for them and how it was different for them and, you know, what they think about these things. Excellent. All right, sir. Well, until next time. Yeah, yes, indeed. All right.